Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Philippians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, we're going to continue on in our series, Victorious, this week. How many of you were with us last week for Victorious? You came back this week, that's good, I didn't offend you too bad. (laughs) We're going to continue on this week, Victorious over death, the Lord has made us victorious, He has triumphed over death, and we are victorious in Christ through death, amen. Oh, come on, somebody. (laughs) That's something to get excited about. God has made us victorious over death. We don't have to hang out at the grave any longer. We don't have to hang out in the tombs any longer. God has made us conquerors with Him in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I want to take a look at that today. The, The Lord has made us victorious over death. You know, Heather and I were talking about this this week. I've done... Uh, a lot of funerals, and, in my, and I'm telling you, this isn't going to be a depressing message. If you don't get happy by the end of this, well, you just need to get born again. You'll just, we'll just get, get you full of the joy of the Lord today, hopefully. But Heather and I were recently talking about this, is that, um, you know, I've done a lot of different funerals. I've done funerals for children, and I've done funerals to teens, adults, I've done it all. And uh, I've watched as people have walked through death. I've watched as families have walked through death. I've watched as, as uh, people who are dying have walked through the, the death process. I've, I've watched as people who were dying get born again before they die. And uh, I have been there and I've watched and walked through that. And it's interesting to me because every time that I go through that, you can always tell who has a true biblical experience of death and the hope that comes through, through death and those who don't. You can always tell who really believes what the Bible says and who really knows what Scripture says about death and those that do not. It's very evident. You know, you can say a lot in life. You can proclaim a lot of philosophies and have a lot of head knowledge. But when the rubber meets the road, at the end of the all things, what do you really believe? And it really comes out. Recently at a funeral, I had a couple different people ask me, you must really have a hard job. You know, it was a statement slash question. You must really have a hard job. And, and, and statements like that, questions like that come from this. It's a misunderstanding of what Christ has paid for. It's a misunderstanding of what, what death really is, or there's no biblical expression or experience at all. They're, they have no understanding, no depth of what Scripture says at all. For me, the hard part for believers, what the hard part for us really is in facing death, is will we enjoy God through it? Will we enjoy God through death? Will we enjoy God through the process? Because really, we're all, the Bible says, should be, as believers, dying daily to our flesh. The Bible says, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of His saints. We read that a lot at funerals. But oh, how precious is it when your flesh climbs up on the altar of sacrifice and the smell of burnt flesh (laughs) ascends before heaven and the, the fragrance of death to self arises as worship unto the Lord. 
Yeah, that, that is the, the preciousness of the death of the saints. The Bible tells us that death is certain. In Hebrews 9.27, it says it is appointed for man to die once and then the judgment. Death is absolutely a certainty. You know, we, I had the privilege not long before we moved here to walk through death with someone in, a, in our church. It was a good friend of mine's father. And uh, he, he was diagnosed with liver cancer. And he was a young guy. He was a hard worker and a great family man, but he wasn't born again. And so he, he showed up at our church, and uh, I got to know him, connected with him. I went to the hospital. I started anything that he was a part of. I was there because I wanted to make sure before he stepped into eternity, he knew the Lord. And uh, so we started this journey together. He got born again. And I remember sitting just a matter of a week or so before he died, sitting with him in his hospital room. And he was telling me about all of his friends that were coming to visit him in the hospital and, you know, talking about the good old days when they would go gambling and drinking and all the stuff that they used to do together. And he would sit there in the hospital bed and tell them, that's not the same man. You're not looking at the same man. That's, that's the old man. I used to do that, but I'm not doing that. If I walk out of here, I'm not doing that anymore, but I'm a changed man. And it was awesome to watch. And the, the morning came when I was sitting in my office and I got a phone call from one of the family members and they said, uh, you know, dad's in the process of dying. And uh, I, I said, I'm on my way. Well, they lived about 45 minutes or so from the church. They lived out in the bayou. And uh, it was, it was going to be a little bit of a journey for me to get there. So I, I leave the church. I, Lord, you can't take him yet. I got to get there, at least for the family. You can't, you can't have him yet. And so uh, I'm driving and having this conversation with the Lord as I'm driving, you know, speeding, trying to get there. And, and uh, Lord, and I just felt the Lord speak to me. And he said, the angels are ready. And I thought, okay. And so my ears perked up. And this, you know, I'm not going to go into a big scriptural debate on this this morning. I'm just telling you my, my experience with the Lord and this man's death. And, and I, I, I heard the Lord distinctly say in my spirit, the angels are ready. And I said, well, Lord, you can't have him. <laughs> you got to, I mean, can we just delay this process? Just, just a moment. I got to get there. I still got 30 minutes to go, you know? And uh, so I'm driving quick, quick, quick. And I called the family. Hey, how's it going? What's happening? You know, he's progressing. Hospice is here and so on. And, and I said, well, I'm on my way. I'm hurrying. And uh, I, then I felt the Lord just speak to me again. He's ready. Lord, yeah, what are you not understanding about this? We got to do this on my timetable. I've got, I'm the pastor. I've got to be there. Let's, let's get this right, okay? You've got to work with me on this. And, and not, it wasn't five minutes later. I'm having a conversation back and forth with the Lord about this man and how great of a man he was and how he got born again. And I'm just talking back and forth with the Lord in my drive. And, and the Lord says, it's time for him to come home. And... Um, Literally, within a second of that conversation, I got a phone call from, from uh, one of the, actually the wife, and she said he stepped into eternity. And uh, I said, I will, I'm, I'm literally turning on your street right now. I will be in there in just a moment. And uh, it was precious for me because as you go through and walk through with people with regards to death, we, we preach this scripture a lot. It's appointed for man once to die and then the judgment. But that scripture became alive to me that day. I realized in that moment it is appointed. God has a timetable. We don't understand.
understand it, but he's fully in control. Amen. In Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7, it says, Then shall dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. In Romans 5, 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed to all men, for all have sinned. You know, how many times have we been in situations where we say, Lord, why did this happen? Why did this, this circumstance happen? Why did this situation happen? And Romans 5 gives us a great indication of that. Sin has entered the world by one man, and by that sin, death has entered the world. It's inevitable. Christ has triumphed over death, though, for us. And in spite of the circumstance, the situation, and the sorrow that we feel in this life, Christ has triumphed over death. J John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 57 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, an atomic second, at the last trumpet. That was my, you know, insert there. At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Amen. Hallelujah. For this corruptible must put on an incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. You should underline that. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks... This is a great one to underline. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ has triumphed over death. And that triumph, the authority of Christ, the authority of Christ over the grave has been passed on to us. In Matthew 10, 7 and 8, he says, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then what are you supposed to do? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, there you go, raise the dead. Cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. How many of you have that on your uh, spiritual resume that you've raised the dead? Okay. <laughs> or cleanse the leopard. <laughs> That's our commission. We're called and authority has been passed on to us. I love the story of Smith Wigglesworth walking into the funeral, picking the man up out of the coffin, throwing him against the wall. In the name of Jesus, live. What happened? He fell down. <laughs> he didn't live. But Smith Wigglesworth had faith. He knew the word of the Lord and he knew the authority that he walked in. Picked him up, threw him up against the wall. In the name of Jesus, live. What happened? He fell down. <laughs> you know, if that were me, I would start making a backdoor exit out of the funeral home at that point. <laughs> Who is the crazy guy that came and picked grandpa up out of the casket? I don't know. Security! <laughs> Benat Smith Wigglesworth picks him up again. In the name of Jesus Christ, live. And that, that man bounced off that wall and lived. <laughs> uh, talk about church. <laughs> As believers, we've been liberated from death. However, we find ourselves oftentimes hanging around the coffin. 
Christ has paid for your liberty. He has paid for your ultimate victory over death. It's time to move away from the coffin. You know, being at funerals, a lot of times people hang on to the coffins or the bodies. Why do they do that? It's comfort. It's, they don't want to leave. It's the comfort. It's, it's the old lifestyle. It's the things, the memories there. And we do the same thing as believers. We want to hang on. <laughs> oh, don't, don't make me leave the coffin, Jesus. Raise me from the dead, but don't, I don't want to leave the funeral home. Here's some of the things that the Lord has paid for where we often hang out. Words of destruction. We speak words of death. Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue has the power of life and death. James 3.6 says the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. <laughs> yeah, wow. Matthew 12, verses 36 through 37, Jesus had some strong words about, about what we say. He says, but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. The words that we say have power. Maybe you've heard yourself say some of these words. I would say this is our version of, or heaven's version, if you will, of kids say the darndest things. Some of you are too young for that. I can't believe I actually said that, that I'm old enough to actually say that someone else is too young for that. Yikes. <laughs> Maybe you've said something like this. This person is always doing this to me. <laughs> what happens is you're automatically filtering out any of the positive things they might be doing, and you're automatically assuming that all they're doing is the negative. What about this? Now my whole day is ruined. Can I, can I help you? Just because your coffee order gets messed up in the morning doesn't mean your whole day is ruined. <laughs> we tend to exaggerate things a little bit. <laughs> I can never do that. You know, the great thing about impossibilities is you never know if you can until you try. The Bible says that all things, all things are possible. There's nothing impossible with the Lord for your life. Why don't you just step out and trust Him and try and see? You know, I'll never forget when God called me into ministry, people who were close to me said, you need to get a real job. That's devastating when you're 14 years old and you feel like you've heard from the Lord. I mean, you're excited. You know? I'm like, give me your Bible. Let me sign it. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. I'm going to lay hands on everything that moves and God's going to touch you. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. You know, you feel like a million bucks when you got a call from the Lord to be a pastor. And then, then you pastor and then you realize, Let me, can I give it away? Somebody can have the title. Just take it. You can have it. <laughs> you know, everybody who doesn't pastor wants it and the pastor always is ready to get rid of it. <laughs> it's the blessing of the Lord. And so God calls us to do the impossible things that we could do. I hate public speaking. I hate being around people. I don't like people. I'm not a social person. I don't like to chit chat. I don't like to talk in front of people. Y'all know this. If you don't, now you do. And so God calls me to do the impossible things that are impossible for me. I don't like doing this, but the Lord calls me. And every time I get up here, I feel his anointing come on me. And his enablement comes on me to do exactly what I'm doing. I'm not a funny guy. My wife makes it a point to always tell me, I don't understand how you are so funny in the pulpit. 
You come up with jokes on the whim. I don't understand. It's the anointing. It's impossible for me. <laughs> what about this? No one, no one tells me anything. Minimizing yourself in the middle of a conflict is not going to solve the problem. How about coming up with a solution? Humility and minimizing false humility are very different. Humility is having a healthy understanding of your skills and your abilities and what God's given you and not demanding a thing. False humility says, this is who I am and expects or says, I deserve to know. Y'all got quiet up in here. We've, we've all probably said at least one or two of these. They don't appreciate anything I do. I'm not talking about in the context of church. I'm just, I, believe me, I'm not, this is not directed at any one of you. This is directed at people on the podcast. All of us, nobody, <laughs> no. This is. The, <laughs> Maybe the appreciation is expressed and you don't hear it or see it. And instead of saying they don't, maybe you should ask whoever they is and ask them to give you feedback. I'm alone or no one understands me. Having and speaking a bad attitude over your life isolates yourselves from others. If you say that you're alone or no one understands you, guess where you're going to be living? On an island. So the only way to get out of that rut is by not being alone. It's by surrounding yourself with people who love you and who want to do life with you. Well, I can't be like him or her. Comparing yourself is one of the worst things, or comparing others, I should say. Comparing is one of the worst things that you can do. God created you unique and everyone else unique too. Don't put me in the box of someone else. Well, you don't do it like, and I'm, this is just a paraphrase example. I'm not saying anyone has said this, so uh, this is one of my jokes, okay? So you don't do it like brother so-and-so used to do it. Well, thank the Lord. I'm unique. <laughs> I'm special. I'm a peculiar person. God, God's called me and made me do things different for a reason. And, and you do the same thing. I don't want to go around saying that you fit into a certain box or don't fit into a certain box. God has made us all unique. I, I see this a lot when people have negative past experience. You see this a lot come out when, when people have negative past experiences with someone. Well, you know, that person, you remind me of that person. They hurt me. They did me wrong. And all of a sudden, we start putting people around us in the same box as that person who did us wrong. And and we don't even realize we're cutting ourselves off from someone who loves us. Praise the Lord. This is good. We don't want to live in death. The Lord has liberated us from death. We don't have to speak words of death. Idle works. What is idle works? The Bible talks about them being deceitful, lazy, false, or fraudulent works. Ecclesiastes 4, 5 says the fool's his, the fool folds his hands and consumes his own flesh. Proverbs 10.4 says, He who has an idle hand becomes poor. Matthew 25.30 says, And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Examples of idle works, speaking falsely, deceptive practices, lack of integrity, backstabbing, secretive or being shady, procrastinating, avoidance. Those are all types of 
of idle works. What about gossip? We know that the Lord has liberated us from gossip. I know there's no gossipers here, but Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. 2 Timothy says this, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, But shun profaning and idle babbling. Some translations say godless chatter. For they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. That word in the Greek, cancer, is the word gangrene. It spreads like an infection. There are six types of gossip we see in Scripture, and and I've paraphrased some of them. But one is slander. means to lie about someone to cause damage. My paraphrase here on another is ditching the dirt. This is the juicy stuff. The intent may not to be to cause damage to someone, but it's keeping the gossip alive. You may even admit that the gossip is false, but hey, there might be some truth to it, so let me pass it on. Rumors, spreading unfactual information, backbiting, speaking spitefully about someone, mocking. Those are the not really jokes. Well, he might get off the couch today and actually do something. Innuendos. Subtle insinuations to mislead or to cause question of someone's character or their intents. The Lord has liberated us from gossip. We don't have to live at the coffin anymore. We can speak words of life. We don't have to walk in pride. Proverbs 18.12 says, Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. Proverbs 16.18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Here's some examples of pride. Maybe you might identify yourself in these if the Lord will give you grace. Isn't that the trouble? Is that with pride, you don't really realize that you have pride until it's too late, unless the Lord gives you grace and grants repentance. But, but maybe the Lord will open and illuminate your understanding today if you need it. Having a stronger desire to do my will than God's will. Being more dependent on my strength and my resources than God's. My opinions and ideas are better than others. Considering myself more important than others, thinking I have no needs. Difficult to admit wrongdoing, difficult to admit that I need help. Being a people pleaser, being overly concerned about getting the credit, driven to recognition of titles and positions, thinking you are really humble. You're much more humble than anybody else, of course. (laughs) Now that everybody has been equally offended... God has given us victory over death. Some examples in Scripture that God has power over death. Jairus' daughter in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. I'm not going to take the time to read all these, but I would encourage you on your own time to study them. God demonstrates in Christ that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. God, you know, Jesus is on his way. We know the story. He's on his way to Jairus' house and, and the a woman with the issue of blood comes along. Hey, Jesus, I need a healing. She grabs hold of his garment. Hallelujah. And she's made whole. Well, that's exciting. This woman's gotten healed. But Jairus' daughter is 12 years old and is home dying. It's always great when the Lord takes time for a testimony service when you're wanting him to get to your house. So that's exactly what happens. Jesus, who touched me? Jesus, you've lost your mind, man. Look at all these people around you. There's a lot of people touching you. And and this woman comes and falls before the Lord. She gives her testimony. And after her testimony, one of the people from Jairus' home comes, Master, don't bother. Your daughter's dead. Can you imagine in that moment what a father... I I mean, I can't imagine in in my own family someone coming to me and saying, I know that you were going to Jesus to get healing, but don't bother him anymore. Zoe's dead. Your daughter's dead. 
I can't imagine what, what the father must have felt in that moment. His, his baby girl, the 12-year-old girl, was dead. He was going to Jesus to get help. Jesus was on his way. They were so close. They were so close to a miracle. But he missed it. And Jesus turns to him and says, Do not fear, only believe. Jesus, in those spoken words, faith was stirred up in his heart. Sometimes you, we, you and I are facing circumstances in our life where we think, God, I, I was so close to a breakthrough. I was so close to my miracle. I was so close. And then all of a sudden, it's ripped. The reality is ripped out of our hands. So close. And Jesus turns to us and says, don't fear. Only believe. And that's where miracles begin to happen. Lazarus in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44, God demonstrates his sovereignty over our time. We want God to answer when we want him to answer. Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick. Oh, it's okay, boys. We'll just hang out two more days. No big deal. Isn't that the response you want from the Lord when, when your, your family member is sick? It's okay. We'll, we'll just hang out. We'll let him die was basically Jesus' response. And then he said, because this is for the glory of God. Sometimes God will allow circumstances to happen so that the glory of the Lord will be displayed in your life. Instead of complaining, instead of grumbling about what the Lord is doing, and begin to enter in and just enjoy Him through the journey. You might see the glory of God in a whole new way. His timetable is not our timetable. The widow of Nain, I love this story in Luke chapter 7. The widow of Nain, notice she's known as the widow of Nain. Her husband has died and now her only son has died. Jesus is walking through the town. And as he walks into the town, his eyes catch this woman. I can imagine at that moment, Jesus looks at her and she looks back at him and she's trying to figure him out. And Jesus is moved with compassion. He walks over to the coffin and he tells the boy to get up. He picks the boy up and gives him back to his mom. Wow, what a moment. What a moment to be walking with the Lord, to see him and his compassion for this woman. God is moved with compassion towards those who are hurting and those who are broken. Today, if you're here and there's hurt that you're carrying around in your life, maybe you feel broken. Maybe you feel like that God has left you or abandoned you. Know this today. He has compassion on your situation. He has compassion on your circumstance today. And he's going to be moved with compassion in the midst of death to raise you up and to bring new life and new hope in that time and that season. The Bible says that in Matthew that there were saints that were raised up at Jesus' death. This demonstrates for us the power of God over redemption. God can redeem you no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what is going on in your life today. God is able to redeem you. He's able to save you to the uttermost. That brings us to our text in Philippians 1. I finally got there. In Philippians 1, verse 20 through 21, it says this, According to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live 
is Christ, and to die is gain. God is victorious over death, and he displays it in this. If it is gain to die, then that gain is that Christ is magnified in my death. If it is gain to die, because it is gain to die, because when we die, we go and we are with Christ. It is gain for me to live with Christ, that I might encourage you in your joy of the faith. And whether I live or I die, it is gain because Christ will be magnified in my body. I want to take a look at these. If it is gain to die, then that gain is that Christ is magnified in my death. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy and he said this. As he's facing death, he's moments away from going to the executioner. And he says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up. I can almost hear, finally. (laughs) There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me only but also to all who have loved his appearing. Christ is magnified in our death by this, when we live for Christ, when we live for Christ so that death is gain. Do you get up in the morning thinking about your death? Do you go to bed at night thinking about your death? Most of us don't. Most of us actually really don't think about our death until we start talking life insurance or you got to go plan or do things or someone else dies. But, but I would encourage you that you would, that you would begin to make it a point to regularly consider your death. Regularly consider the reality of death and its imminent nature that it is on the date books of heaven and you will not escape. <laughs> Paul told Timothy, I have lived for Christ. I have have finished the race. Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. What he has started, can I encourage you today, that what he has started in your life, he will finish. He will complete it. If you'll run the race with Christ, he'll finish every good work that he started in you. Finish the race. God is confident in his ability to sustain you. Sometimes the race can get difficult. You know, when you start running and, and you're running, your muscles start cramping and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I want to stop. They, you know, runner, runners tell me this because I'm not a runner. But, but runners tell me when, you're, when you start cramping, if you'll just press through, you'll get that second wind and it'll carry you through the finish line. And, and the same is true. If you'll just press through with joy, face the trials that are before you. With joy, face the testing that goes before you. Hebrews says, lay aside every weight and sin that would ensnare you. Run with endurance. Run the race. Achieve the goal. What is our goal? Christ is our heavenly reward. Press on to Christ. Press on to the heavenly reward and apprehend Christ for yourself. Endure to the end. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. Can I, I, can I ask you a question? What, what battle are you fighting and is it worth dying over? Are the battles that you're fighting worth dying over? Are you leaving a legacy that others can follow? Or is your legacy about battles that didn't really matter? Paul fought the good fight of faith. Leonard Ravenhill's epitaph says this, Is what you're living for worth dying for? When people die, there's usually one of three honors we bestow on them. One is the honor of missed opportunities. Usually these are the people that 
didn't fulfill their mission or purpose in life. They hurt people. They wronged people. There's, there's a man that I knew growing up in my hometown, and, and he was a, a, amazing at the time. We thought was an amazing guy. He was involved in our church. He, was, he handled the finances. He was a Sunday school teacher. He was a great guy involved in a lot. I mean, he was, he was the man. If you were going to model your life after a godly man, he was a godly man in the church. And a couple years ago, it came out that he had stolen all of his wife's inheritance. He had stolen all of the township that he worked for, the money from this township. And he had invested it in Ponzi schemes overseas and all these things. And all of a sudden, he had been cheating on his wife. All of this stuff starts to come out. And it had been happening over years of years of time. When everybody thought he was a godly man, he put on the good show. But, but in really, his heart was wicked and vile. And he was living out uh, these things in his life. And nobody knew about. Of course, the Secret Service, the FBI, everybody gets involved and, you know, all that happens. And it was interesting because at his death, his family didn't want anything to do with him. He was, when all of this came out, he was diagnosed with cancer at the same time. And he was given just a very short amount of time to live. When he died, they cremated him and had no obituary, no notice, no nothing. They didn't want anything associated with this man. What a legacy that was wasted because of missed opportunities. There's the honor of self-accomplishment. It's usually based on the person's goodness, their morality, the good works that they've done. And then there's the honor of what Christ has done in a person's life. Yeah. This is the honor for the believer. This is the life. This is the legacy that you and I are called to leave. I'll never forget my pastor growing up. He was a, he was a great man. And he had taken a, a church... And he had led this church into revival, into awakening. I mean, we, the church was on the other side of the tracks. You all know what I'm talking about. It wasn't, it wasn't an area that you would want to go hang out in. But our church, man, it was a rocking church. And God was moving. People were getting healed and set free. And, and his legacy that he left, I'll never forget his funeral. I mean, the place was packed for his funeral. And the message that day was there were spiritual giants in the land. And it had nothing to do with how great he was. It was about everything that God had accomplished in and through his life. What a legacy. What a legacy that you and I would leave behind. Secondly, it is gain to die because we will be with Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. The gain of death for the Christian means this. It means at death, the troubles and the afflictions of a true Christian are come to an eternal end. We will no longer have to carry on in the afflictions of this life. We will be absolutely liberated from all the sorrows of this life. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> how many of you face sorrows and how many of you are ready to be rid of them? <laughs> there is a perfect and eternal freedom from sin. No longer are we battling with our carnal nature. Paul talked about this, that what I don't want to do, I do. And what I do want to do, I don't do. It's this constant, continual battle between our flesh, our carnal nature, and our spirit man. But when we step into eternity, we will shed off our carnal nature. We will be made fully alive to Christ. And no longer will sin have a hold on us. There is perfect freedom from temptation. The devil... <laughs> won't be there. <laughs> Our old nature won't be there. And we will rejoice in God for all eternity. The believer is not, li not only liberated from sin and temptation, but we are crowned with holiness. 
sanctification will be complete. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. That we will be made like Him and ever being made like Him. It will be this, this sanctification will be complete and yet we will always be increasing in radiance of His glory. What a, what a powerful picture of eternity. By death, the believer is brought to the possession of all the heavenly riches, of all the heavenly honors, of all the heavenly pleasures that Christ has laid up for you. When you step into heaven, Christ, the righteous judge, will reward you with the pleasures of heaven. Enter in, my faithful servant. Wow. And then we'll get to sit down I will swim in heaven. (laughs) I'm going to find myself lost in the river of his presence. You want to know where I'm at? I'm in the river. (laughs) I lived in the river and I'm eternally living in the river. Just find me there. The death of the Christian is in order to a more glorious resurrection. The next step for you and I after death is that our bodies are permanently, eternally changed at the resurrection. Even our physical bodies benefit from death. Thirdly, it is gain for me to live with Christ that I might encourage your continued faith. Not only is it gain for me to die with Christ, but it's gain for me to live with Christ and enjoy Him for your continued joy. Philippians 1.25 says this, And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. By the way, Paul is southern there. He says, y'all. <laughs> Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You and I are to encourage and to challenge one another to pursue Christ, to continue on in this journey together, and to step into the joy of the Lord. You can have the fullness of the joy of the Lord. That's what Paul said, that I continue on with you. It's gain for me to continue on with you because I'm going to encourage you on in the joy of your faith. And buddy, you better believe I'm going to encourage you on in the joy of your faith. Your faith is a happy faith. Your faith is a joyful faith. If you don't find encouragement and joy in the presence of the Lord, then you have missed something. The joy of the Lord, the presence of the Lord is joyful. Well, pastor, I don't laugh. I'm not talking yet about you laughing. The joy of the Lord. You'll get there. When you find the joy of his presence, you'll laugh. (laughs) It's the overflow. You can't help. You can have a good time with the Lord. He makes everything richer. Matter of fact, Proverbs says this in Proverbs 4.18, but the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines even brighter and brighter until the perfect day. The path of the righteous, you know, when we get born again, we're living in absolute, utter darkness. And when we get born again, the light, the dawn of his presence begins to shine into our lives. And that, that, that dawn, the, the shedding abroad of the light of God ought to increase and grow in our lives day by day. The light of his glory increases as we go on this journey day by day. We see His light radiating in us and radiating through us. How does that happen? You begin to discover Him in His Word. The Word of God begins to shed and illuminate the light. You begin to live and walk with the Spirit who sheds abroad the the love, the glory, the light of God in our heart. Amen. Amen. 
Number four, whether I live or I die is gain because Christ will be magnified in my body. Whether I live or whether I die, God has conquered death. He's triumphed over death. I don't worry at death. I'm not fearful at death. But whether I live or whether I die, God's got it covered. In other words, let me say it like this. I've said it before. God is most glorified when I am satisfied with Him. The greatest display of the glory of God is my enjoyment of Him in this life, which will continue in my eternal enjoyment of Him in the next. I want to enjoy Him to the fullest. That's your call in this life, is to enjoy God. That is your, that is your purpose, to enjoy Him in everything that He sets before you. Are you enjoying the Lord today? Are you enjoying his presence? Are you enjoying his goodness? Are you enjoying his love? Are you enjoying the diversities of God? His love, his wrath, his mercy, his goodness, his patience, his long-suffering. Oh, the diversities of God. He's called us to enjoy all of these things. Whether I live, that's how Paul could say, whether I live or whether I die, it's all gain to me because I'm enjoying God in this life and it will continue on. It will get better in the next. Now, some people have a problem with this whole thing of enjoying God. That sounds selfish. I hope I don't bore you too much. I'm sorry. But, you know, some people have problems with this enjoyment thing. Let me just give it to you like this. If I were to say to Heather, Heather, I want to take you out to dinner tonight. Well, not tonight because we have the harvest party. Tomorrow night. I want to take you out to dinner tomorrow night. Just us. Nobody else. Just us. Because when I'm with you, you make me really, really happy. (laughs) Now, Heather is not going to look back at me and say, you are so selfish. It's always all about you. You've got to be happy, don't you? Of course she's not, because my pursuit of joy in her and her pursuit of happiness is the same desire, and it's the same with God. My pursuit of God, my enjoyment of God, my pleasure in God, and His glory in my life are the same. It's the same desire. Are you enjoying Him? When you delight in God fully in this life, He is magnified in your living. When you enjoy God to the fullest in this life, he will be magnified in your dying. When you enjoy God to the fully in this life, you will be eternally gainful because you'll enjoy him for all eternity. Jim Elliott said this, when the time comes to die, make sure that's all you have to do. Are you enjoying the Lord? We are victorious in death because of our enjoyment of God in this life. We are victorious in death because we enjoy God in this life. Let me close with this thought. In Luke chapter 23, if you want to flip over there, and everybody said amen because we're closing. And I think I'll just have one closing today. We'll see. Luke 23 Verse 39, don't leave, you're missing the most important part, the closing. (laughs) 
That's the first time I've ever had anybody actually do that. <laughs> Most people don't care what I say. They just leave. <laughs> Luke 23, verse 39 says this, Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. You know, we know this is Jesus' death and, and the thieves are bantering back and forth and such. I, I want you to consider for this moment that this thief looks at Christ and he says, remember me. Remember me when you step into your kingdom. Remember me. In other words, in the midst of all of the wrath that he's experiencing, in the middle of all of the trouble, in the middle of everything, the torture that he's going through, the public shame that he's facing, He's hanging on a tree. He's dying the worst death, most brutal death possible next to Jesus. And he's able to mutter out these words, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In other words, Lord, I may have not enjoyed you in this moment. I may have not enjoyed you in this life. I've heard about you, but, but I want to enjoy you in the next. Would you remember me? And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise, which is an interesting phrase. We, we always consider this in, in the religious world a place, but the actual translation of the word that's used here, paradise, means pleasures. He says, you will be with me in eternal pleasures. You know, it doesn't matter what you face in this life, the, the death, the circumstance that you're facing, the life that you're facing, Christ reigns victorious. Christ reigns victorious over death. He reigns victorious over the circumstances of your life. You don't have to continue on speaking words of death. You don't have to continue on living in pride or discouragement or fear or anxiety. Christ has triumphed over the grave and the results of the grave for you. If it is gain to die, then that gain is that Christ is magnified in my life, in my death. It is gain to die because I will be with Christ. It is gain for me to live with Christ that I might encourage your continued faith. Whether I live or I die, it is gain because Christ will be magnified in my body. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you, and we thank you that you are victorious over death. And by your victory, by your victory, we reign victorious with you. Death is not a sting. For us as believers, it is a place of continued rejoicing. It's a place of continued enjoyment. Lord, we can enjoy you, whether it's, whether it's a physical death or whether we're facing spiritual death in our lives where there's things in, in our lives that need to be laid on the altar. Whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, Lord, whether we're being changed and transformed or whether it's a physical death, whatever it is, Lord, we, we can be assured that in you we triumph. In you we're victorious. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. 
For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.